0: So we're going back to a uh, very practical subject matter that we've been looking at uh, and we will continue to look at during the summertime. So we're looking at restoring a biblical worldview to church, family, and individual Christians. So what we're trying to do is give a, a bit of a... Um, not. We definitely want the biblical side of things, which we'll look at, but we're using a Christian organization, at least claiming to be Christian, the Barna Group, to go through some of the statistical things that they have done in researching. uh, And again, I use the term a bit loosely because when you look at what we're going to be looking at this morning, it's like, how can these be honest-to-goodness Christians? But unfortunately, what we're looking at and seeing across the country is even in biblical churches where the pastor is an individual that uh, claims to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior... And we talked a little bit about it this morning. We're getting into this pluralist, this syncretistic, big words that basically mean we're pulling secular ideas into the church. The church is, uh, uh, if you will, being very tainted uh, by what secular authorities, media, and politics, and all the rest of it are doing to the local church. So we're going to skip that one. Skip that one. All right, so this morning, trying to fit in with uh, the theme of the day, which, of course, is Father's Day. We're going to be looking at these things uh, about how do you raise spiritually-minded children. And for the teens that are are here, uh, Jim Jamel's out of town uh, this week, so we've got some of the young folks up here. When you examine along with us and you look at these study notes that we're going to be looking at, and looking at these are supposedly Christian that Christians that were surveyed and what we're going to start with. So we're going to look at the survey, go through some of the concepts, then we're going to uh, the last portion, we'll go to the scriptures and see how these things do or don't match up. So again, hmm, looks like uh, Nick, I just lost everything. I've only got a couple of slides, but if uh, somehow we can get that, I'll see if the clicker will work. Yeah, okay, clicker's working, so we'll just go with that this morning. Uh, All right, so uh, George Barna, Director of Research, Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. This was released in May 10th of 2022, so this is recent data uh, that came out from uh, the Barna Institute in sync with Arizona uh, Christian University. So when you look at this, and the red stuff is what I put on there except for the Barna. And we're looking at how has uh, the world been tainted by the things that are are taking place. So we'll get to the Scripture in a moment. But we're talking about born-again individuals. So when you're looking at uh, born-again people, these are individuals that supposedly have made a decision to trust Christ as their Savior. So if we look at uh, John chapter 3, and we'll just look at a couple of verses... But uh, you recall the story of Nicodemus. So this is very basic, basic things, and you would think this would be uh, a basic concept, but based on what we're going to be looking at, apparently not so basic to some people. So just to review the story very quickly, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these th- signs That you do unless God is with him. So here we have an individual, he's seeing the miracles that Jesus is doing. He's taken back by it, and it's like, wow, who is this Jesus? Is he potentially the Messiah? Well, Jesus answered, verse 3 said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless he's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered most assuredly I say to you unless one is born of water so what is he talking about born of a water well uh, have you ever heard of a lady when her water breaks same concept uh, you're physically born uh, The the, the uh, uh, what's the right word for the word doc I want to say pericardium or diem or something like that what's the right word for the, the mom's womb if you will befo- while well, the baby Santa? okay whatever it is it's a ap word Say what? Paradium. There it is. Okay. So uh, 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 the paradigm is there. The water's there. So when the water breaks, uh, what happens? The baby's born. So born of water and the spirit. Right? Jesus is saying what? You just don't. It's not just about a physical birth. There's got to be a spiritual birth, which is uh, what supposedly these individuals on this survey uh, trusted Christ and had the spiritual birth. What happens when you trust Christ? 1 Corinthians 12.13 makes it very clear that the moment a person receives Christ, the Holy Spirit places them into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 6.19, when you trust Christ, who comes to dwell within you? The Holy Spirit, all right? So you should be led by the Spirit, which is, of course, what we're trying to do as God's people. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said unto you, you must be born again. All right, so the premise here is that the individuals that have been surveyed are those that would say, yeah, you know, we understood this. We've been born spiritually when we trusted Christ. So that is kind of the basis. And then we go to the the key words, "...for God so loved the world, which we all know, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved." This is Christianity 101. He who believes in him or in Christ is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. All right, so here's here's the concept. Let's take a look at this survey, which I trust you have in your hands right now. So up at the top, I, I actually put the red box around born again with a red question mark, because if you are truly an individual that knows Christ, and you're looking at these survey questions, there's a massive percentage that are not buying into biblical worldview concepts. You say, well, what does that mean? They don't believe the Bible for what it says. It's just that simple. All right, so again, we're looking at Christians that took the survey claimed to be born again, God is the all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect, and just creator of the universe who rules that universe today. Now, if I asked you that question, and I'm hoping you would all answer in the affirmative... But I'm trusting everyone here would say, yeah, absolutely, you know, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, absolutely, God's a creator. He made all things. Colossians 1.16, Christ made all things. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse uh, 11 and 12, that in six literal days God created everything. Shouldn't be any, I mean, that should be like, I hate to use the term, but it's the best one. It's a no-brainer. And only 75% of people that are alleged Christians said, oh yeah, God created everything. Now that's a problem. So why would 25 percent, and that's that's the basic number one question: Why are 25 percent of people who claim to be Christians claim to be born again, saying, "No, I'm not so sure about God having created everything"? They don't read the Bible. Well, and if they do, the dead sure aren't getting it right. Something isn't right. They're not going to Bible believing churches. Yeah, I mean that's definitely where I would be coming from. It's just an amazing thing. So. I'm going to caveat for just a second on this. So here we are at Union Grove Baptist Church. Every week you hear the gospel somewhere. You know, if it's two minutes here or five minutes there, somewhere it's going to get get into the message because it's the basic thing. If folks don't know Christ, none of the rest of it really makes any difference to them because the spiritually mind can't comprehend it. God makes it very clear that carnal mind can't accept the things of the Spirit. So until someone comes to Christ... (laughs) this is the kind of statistics you're going to get. So, again, I start with the premise that even though these people state they've been, quote-unquote, born again, I find that to be suspect. Now, the other column I don't find suspect at all. People that say, no, I'm not a Christian, I don't believe in all that uh, uh, Bible stuff. Okay, so 30% even of non-Christians believe that there's a God, that he created all things. I'm not going to spend time on... The non-Christians, because I want to center in on who we are and where we should be. All right, second question. The Bible is a true word of God that has no heirs. 72% of Bi- alleged Bible-believing Christians said, yeah, we believe that, which means 28% said, no, the Bible isn't God's word. Well, 2 Timothy 3.16 says what? All Scripture is given, for, uh, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine or proof? correction, instruction in righteousness that the man or woman of God might be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All right, so 28% of alleged Christians say, nope, don't believe the Bible's God's word. And then here's the question when we're talking about raising godly spiritual children. I I gave a message in Dallas a couple of years ago at the Pre-Trib Research Council Center which is called Scripture's Most Compelling Argument for the Pre-Tribulation Rapture. And I paused in the middle of the message because we had uh, it was a lot of scholars from all around the country, and I, they get a little too scholarly sometimes, so I said, Is it okay if I preach for a couple of minutes? And Dr. Tommy Ice, who's the organizer, said, Go for it. And I like Dr. Ice. Good guy. Anyway, uh, uh, here's what I went to. We were talking about the reality of Scripture and the importance of understanding what it is. And I said, "Listen, folks, uh, uh, do you know why your churches are emptying out of young people? You know why uh, young people in their teens and as soon as they got out of of, uh, under mom and dad's jurisdiction, they they depart from the church all across the country. This is happening, folks, in in epidemic proportions." Why is that happening? Why are children leaving, if you will, and I use the church loosely. Why are they leaving, walking with God? Why are they not wanting to go to church anymore? It's very simple. Because, number two, the Bible is the true word of God that has no heirs. Here, where we start out. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, who created the heavens and the earth? Really. Uh, so, what are they taught in school? Big bang. Say what? Big bang. Big bang. Evolution. There's another one called evolution, but there's a T word in front of it. Theistic Theistic evolution. So you take your child, Genesis chapter 1, 66 books in the Bible, 31,000 verses in there, and you start in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Well, wait a minute, did he really? Uh, If evolution is true... What did God have to do with it? If theistic evolution is true, God kind of threw some amoeba out there, and all of a sudden it started to grow, and uh, we got a problem. And then we ask our children in Sunday school and say, who created the heavens and the earth? And they all give the Sunday school answer in public, oh, God did. Well, now they're teenagers, now they're in their 20s, and they've been going to secular schools, watching the media, listening to their friends and now all of a sudden they're like, well, how about evolution? I'm going to make sure that my family isn't here. They've never been here, but I'm going I'm to talk about what I ran into this morning as I came to church. Valerie loves, just a little hint, Valerie loves caruba Gold, and you can only get it where? Karuba, Karuba Gold. Where do you get that at? Quick right. Trip. There you go. The fastest-growing gas station chain in America. And uh, uh, I'm looking for something while I'm talking. Anyway, so uh, every single morning. And Valerie, if you don't know it, she can't smell, she can't taste. She had a critical brain injury uh, going on three years ago that she fell down, and her brain literally flew forward and severed all of the nerves that control your taste and smell. So outside of that, she's fine, but it, literally she can't taste or smell except salt and a couple of sweet things. So uh, you don't want her cooking for you. Anyway, no, I'm just <laughs> Did I say that? Where she's, Yeah, yeah. I'm cooking today. You're good. Um, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, and she can still cook fine. I'm just kidding. Uh, if she was in here, I'd get something thrown at me. But anyway, uh, well, here's the issue. And I don't even remember what the issue is. Oh, yeah, I do. We're at a quick trip this morning. So uh, uh, she's in there, and I'm watching the family get out of the car. So daddy comes out. Fine. Mama comes out, and then three kids come out. First little girl comes out, pink, blue, purple hair. All right, whatever. On her person and on her, her pants were rainbow colored with all the different rainbow things. On here... Uh, uh, that was a bunch of different rainbow colors. Her hair's rainbow colored, and uh, her uh, a t-shirt basically talked about loving all people. The next boy comes out of the van, purple, red, green hair, uh, tie-dyed to match uh, you know where we're going, don't you? And then the next little girl about this high comes out of the van, all different colored hair. What is mommy and daddy teaching their kids? To watch the drag queens at school. Yeah or the brewer stadium or other places, and you wonder why our kids are going bad. It's everywhere. And mom and dad are, are pushing it. The media's pushing it. The brewers are pushing it. And you say, You're are are you mad at everybody? That's not about being mad at folks. It's about the way our culture's going. It just is. You say, are you shocked by that? Absolutely not. Second Timothy chapter three, second Timothy chapter four says that in the last days, what will come? perilous times. I, I'm not shocked, I'm not surprised by any of this. It's part of the uh, 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 what is going to be happening. Alright, take your Bibles because this is key. We're going to de- debunk in a matter of one verse question number two. If I asked you, and of course if you've been coming to Union Grove and you've heard me do this little explanation in the past, you should at least, hopefully, remember the concept if you don't remember the passage. You really, really need parents to mark this down in your Bible somewhere because when your children come to you and say, Mommy, Daddy, uh, somebody just said uh, uh, evolution is the way and I'm really having a hard time, how in the world do I defend my faith? How do I defend it? Well, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. When your young people are told to go to Genesis about the creation story and to get the dating correct, that's partially true, but there's more. But wait, there's more. So yes, we talk about the six days of creation in Genesis, but here's where the Big Bang, folks, here's where theistic evolution pops in. Well, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 is is one evolution happened. Not according to my Bible. You say, well, it doesn't say that in Genesis, so maybe they're right. Well, let's go to the right book to get the right answer. Genesis chapter 20, verse 11. Mark it down, memorize it, don't lose it. Here we go. Are you ready? For in, read it to me, six days. days. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and held it. Alright. How many days did it take God to create everything? Six. 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 Is there any doubt in your mind now from Exodus chapter 20 verse 11? Six literal 24 hour days. Exodus not Genesis. That's where we mess up. So here's what happens to your young people and why question number two is at 72% because many Christians or so-called Christians can't defend their faith. That's why, uh, and boy, I, I was shocked. I, I had a ton of books in the back there. All but two are gone, uh, so we'll get into that in September. But this is the thing. How, how do you defend yourself? How do you defend Christianity? How do you defend your beliefs? And that's why we're failing as churches across the country because we don't teach people the entire 66 books of the Bible Yes, we need to teach John 3.16 and all the gospel, but there's a whole lot more than John 3.16 in those 31,000 verses. All right, so uh, the Bible is a true word of God, and and I'm hobby-horsing here for a moment. So why are we losing, going back to the original question, why are we losing our young people from church? Why are the teens pulling out? Why are the 20s pulling out? Why, after they get out of mommy and daddy's care, do they leave, uh, if you will, going to a good Bible-believing church? Because they've been told over and over and over again, that there's evolution, there's theistic evolution, there's the Big Bang, whatever it is they got in their head, and they can't even get past Genesis 1, 1, and 2, that God created everything, John. Day and night. Day and night. The, the reason they're rejected because the second part of the form is there—the spirit. Yeah. That's all I got to say about that. And I agree, hundred percent. If you don't have the spirit, you're gonna you're gonna lack what's in the book. All right, uh, let's just go through a couple of these. Uh, we'll be done by eleven thirty. I don't want to miss my uh, steak dinner tonight. Anyway, fifty five percent of Christians made an affirmative to this statement, thank, worship, and praise God daily. So 45% of Christians say, ah, you know, I go to church on Sunday. That's it. Folks, this is a a seven-day-a-week proposition. 365 days a week, seven days a week, every single day, every single month, following God, walking with God. Young people, if you don't, you'll uh, you'll be out of here too someday. And I want to encourage you You know, you stay with the Word of God, stay with prayer, stay with God's people, and uh, uh, it just helps. Uh, What percentage readers study the Bible at least once a week? Now we're down to once a week. Only 53% of alleged born-again Christians, now, okay, if they don't do it once a week, where do a lot of people do their Bible stuff? It's right here, right? So at least most people, at a minimum, if they trust in Christ, are probably going to show up at church. Probably. Probably not all the time but on a fairly consistent basis here's what says they, it, when it says well once a week there's only four, there's 45% of god's people that say nah, once a week is too much that means church is out that means 45% of god's people say ah, no to church that's disturbing uh 89% of the unsaved say it's uh, or wait uh, wrong wrong one I looked at uh 26% of unsaved folks still go to church, if you will, or at least have some kind of Bible study once a week. Allowing people to own property does not facilitate economic injustice. Now, folks, this goes, and and we're not going to go into this. We did this the last couple of weeks. When we're talking about socialism and Marxism and uh, 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 property ownership, what does socialism say? Take your property away. What does Marxism say? You have no property. I was talking to some folks uh, last night about this issue about, Uh, Those that belong to communists. Uh, We had a a lady I was talking to whose uh, grandparents came out of communist China. And here's what their statement was, which absolutely astounded me. And this is from a good Christian lady. She doesn't agree with what her grandparents stated. But I said, listen, I'm writing a book on globalism right now. I've got a TV show. I'd actually like you to come on and talk a little bit about uh, uh, the communist China regime. And she's like, well, I really can't because I'm two generations removed, but she gave me a reference to uh, another set of good Christians I know from another church. And I'm like, okay, I'll talk to them. But she said, here's what my, mo- my grandma said, who is not a Christian. She made this statement. Well, communism isn't so bad because everything's equal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, okay. You know what that, by the way, you know what equality means? It means those of you that go to work and... Uh, Maybe our above-average salaries, everything's equal. You don't it's get an above-average... Al- Say what? Misery's the same for everybody. Yeah, misery's the same for everybody. Except for the elite. Except uh, for the elite, right? Now, there's people that are in utter poverty that it brings them up from a rotten level. So there are people in, if you will, the lower economic level that may get some benefit out of it, but uh, it's not a biblical model. Capitalism it happens to be a biblical model. It's like you, if you don't work, you don't what? If you work, you what? Apparently, I work a lot. So uh, anyway, uh, that's the point. No comment on that one, buddy. Anyway, uh, (laughs) in the red box, to understand the human condition, you must realize people are born into sin and can only be saved from the consequences of sin by Jesus Christ. Now, here's where I find this survey utterly suspect. Only 50% of the people that claim to be born-again Christians agreed with that statement. If you don't agree with that statement, folks, I'm, I'm not trying to be unkind. You can't, you just, how, how in the world can you be a Christian and not believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? So what do we have? And folks, it's infiltrating the church, and I can guarantee you it's in our church as well. You just may not see it, but it's here. I'm going to go to a, a parable Do you ever hear the parable of the tares and the wheat? Ever hear that one? Nope. Okay, so uh, uh, for those that don't know it, is wheat a good substance to eat? All right, Valerie, my wife, her dad was a grain farmer and he raised wheat and barley and all that good stuff. Now, tares are basically weeds. So, Gail, I'll even ask you, are weeds a good thing? No, thank you. Good answer. So basically, yeah, they're bad, right? So we've got the wheat, and then we've got these rotten weeds growing up in the same crop. And that was a bad statement because we're going to talk about people now. But we have people that are saved. We have the the tares, if you will, that are what? They basically, in in, in the parable, talk about people that are what? They're not saved. And they're what? They're growing up together. So here's the thing, and that's why we give the gospel every single week. Because people come to church, they hear the gospel, and it doesn't always register the first time or the first ten times or the first thousand times. I I talk to some folks, it's like, man, it was such a long process. It took forever for me to come to Christ. That's what we're talking about here. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you don't understand that John 14, 6, and I'm skipping ahead because we're going to run out of time, Everybody here knows John fourteen six. We can all and let's quote it together. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes under the Father except through me." All right. If you don't get that, you're in a pluralistic, secularized Christianity, which is no Christianity at all. Uh, uh, here's a strong statement I make: partial truth is no truth at all. If partial error is involved with truth, it's it's there. It's wrong. It's either 100% right or it is wrong. All right. Uh, You can go, because we've got about 10 minutes, I want to get into the scriptural point. But uh, you look through this chart, it should be getting your attention. Folks, I am guaranteeing you, and when I go down south and preach in in different churches, you walk in the churches, it's cultural in the south. When you go to the south, it's not a Lutheran or Catholic church on every corner. What what churches do you see on every corner? And they're not just on a corner. They usually take up a couple of city blocks. Baptist churches, Bible churches, huge, massive, mega churches. It is cultural to go to church in the south, far different than up here in the north. Thousands of people will tell you on Sunday that if they died, they're going to heaven. Now, I'm going to give one illustration, and then I'm going to stop. So i got a, a a great family, and I'm just going to call it his first name, David. Uh, David, uh, right about 20 years old, went down to, uh, uh, and many of you probably been there. I've been there. I like going there. Uh, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee area. How many of you have ever, okay, I'm not going to say that because some like it, some don't. I don't want to put you in a box. I have to be careful. Anyway. Uh, Dixie Stampede so it's one of Dolly Parton's big thing and she's in whatever but it's, it's a fun time so they got horses and horse shows and they do all sorts of stuff and they feed you good so of course I like it anyway David who's a Bible believing Christian 20 years old he goes down to work at uh, in uh, Chattanooga, Gatlinburg uh, where this uh, Dixie Stampede is he loves horses wanted to ride horses and all that great stuff which gave him that opportunity down south in Tennessee, so what takes place? He let, he stayed there about one year and left and came back home to Wisconsin, and here's why. He says, you know, uh, 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 and then I don't know what he calls me. I'll just call Rich. He says, you know, Rich, I, I went down there, I worked for a year, and uh, I love the horses. And he says, you know, I talked to the people, but the culture was horrible down there. He said, every single person that I talked to, they go to some Baptist church on Sunday. And then they talk about, yeah, you go to church on Sunday. Of course, and they, everybody goes to church on Sunday. And they listen to some of the radio preachers and Bible teachers that you've heard all. all and it's like everybody is, uh, everybody's, comes to Christ. They're all Christians. And he says, you know what? At work, they are horrible. He says, afterwards, they went out to their dope parties, their drinking parties, their immorality parties, and it was a mess. He said, I couldn't take it. He said half the the guys and gals there were LGBT, and they all went to church with good, strong Baptist churches on Sundays. And yeah, I mean, you're going like, say what? To the point where it was so bad he couldn't stay there. He said, "I, I can't take it. I love horses. I love what I did. He quit his job, came back to Wisconsin. And his parents, by the way, are good and wonderful, wonderful, godly people. What is that telling us? Folks, the culture is tears and wheat right now. It's messed up in in so many churches. So we try the best we can. And and, man, stop letting me rabbit trail. I gotta get going. And uh, here's the truth, though. You like, you know, Rich. Sometimes you get sick and tired of hearing you give the gospel every Sunday. Now we try to give 90 percent to Christians new new material. 5 to 10% every message is gospel. Why? Because it's constantly, there's constantly new people here. There's constantly visitors. There's many that have come that still the gospel is kind of half in, half out in their heads. And it's like, folks, if we can't get past base one, we got nothing. All right, so uh, the last seven minutes or so, let's pop into some of these issues. Command a Jewish parent. How do you get godly young people? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's called the Shema. Our Orthodox Jewish friends quote this virtually every day of their life. Here, and who's it assigned to? What group? Oh, Israel. So he's talking to the Jewish people back in Deuteronomy about 1400 B.C., and here's what it says. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. All right, so he's hitting the the Jewish adults. Here's where you need to be every single day, adult. And now he says, let's go to the next level. So we go down to verse 7. You, Jewish parents, here's what I want you to do. You shall teach them diligently to your who? Your children, and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. The Shema. Folks, we need to borrow the Shema from our Jewish friends and incorporate it into our Christian homes. And basically, what's he saying? From the second you get up, when you sit in your house, when you're at home, what do you talk about? Well, of course, you don't have to 100% talk about the Bible every single moment of the day, but it should be on your lips. It should be there. It should be part of the day. When you, when you sit in your home, he so said, when you go outside, when you're taking a walk, when you're going in your car, when you're going to the store, what are you listening to? What are you talking about? When you lie down, uh, every single day. my parents weren't right with God till I was a teenager, but every single night they come in and they do what they were taught to do in, in the church that they went to at that time. they come in, tuck little Richie in his bed, and Kathy and Susan, and they'd uh, say, now I lay me down to sleep, pray my Lord the soul to keep. If I die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. Right? I mean, uh, that was the prayer. Every single night we prayed that. Little prayer together. Well, uh, later on in life, they learn it's not if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. No, we already knew where our soul was going if we died because we trusted Christ. Didn't know it back then. All right, when you lie down, when you rise up, First thing you get up out of bed, praise the Lord, thank God I'm I'm alive today. And you say, oh, I hurt and I ache and I've got pains and my kids are in trouble and I'm in trouble. Uh, God says, well, oh, get up and uh, thank God you're alive. Uh, ask the Lord for help if you're going through tough times. Psalm 119.11, your word, the Bible, scripture I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. If I asked your children right now, quote me some Bible verses, can they do it? wanna clubs every single Wednesday uh, uh, during the school year. They memorize Scripture. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Uh, you say, ah, oh, man, I'm older. It's hard to memorize. Oh, yeah, it's not easy, is it? But hide it in your heart. Well, if, if Can you defend yourself because you've memorized enough Scripture? I want to encourage every single person here. Say, oh, no, not a homework assignment. Yeah, here's your homework assignment. Why don't you pick out some of your favorite verses and it's like, man, I can't remember where they are. I can't remember how to say them. Why don't you just take out one or two Every single week, try to memorize just one verse. Just one a week. By the end of the year, you'll have 52 verses stuck in your head. They'll never go away. I have all sorts of things stuck in my head that never go around. That's another story. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Proverbs 22, familiar verse. Now, there's a little contextual issue here, but we're just going to go with uh, the first part. Train up a child the way he should go. Train him up. Uh, how do we uh, get uh, spiritual children? Train them up. What does it mean to train? To disciple, to broadly instruct in accordance with proper rules of conduct and behavior, which would include both principles and teaching. Holy, if you will, principles or concepts. Based on where this came from, uh, a Hebrew dictionary. It uses the word ritual, which is a bad word to me. Ephesians six four uh, talked about this this morning. Fathers. Do not provoke your children to wrath. The old school says discipline your children, knock them upside the head, beat them, whatever it takes to make them do right. Folks, uh, that's not quite a biblical way of raising children. Should there be discipline? Yes. Should there be appropriate punishment? Absolutely. But don't exacerbate them. What's it saying? Don't harp on them, don't kick their rear end every two seconds. Love on them too. Be balanced. So there's a place for discipline. There's a place for punishment. But always bring them up what? Train them. When uh, um, Some of you have been in the military, some in law enforcement, fire department, other places uh, where there's physicality involved. So I spent uh, 32 years in law enforcement. You say, how come you're a preacher? Well, I spent 40-plus years already in Christian work. I was bivocational my whole life. But anyway, what do you do when you go to training school? Well, they, they yell at you, they scream at you, do your push-ups, do your pull-ups, do your runs and all that. Then you know what they do afterwards? Hey, uh, uh, let's have a good meal together. Let's enjoy each other's company. So there's a place for that discipline and, and uh, uh, the hardcore uh, soldier, get yourself in gear. Police guys get to uh, do things right so you don't get killed. Why do they train you? So you don't get killed, right? I mean, it's part of part of uh, uh, growing up. What else do we do? 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God work men work women that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth that's why we're going to be doing a Bible Institute type uh, session starting in September uh, we talked about this this morning all scripture is what it's inspired by God this says not God says yes alright so you want to raise godly children you got to do it God's way John 14 here it is well, when what is Jesus said it's not, it's not secular pluralism it's not a, a, a synchronizing uh, cultural norms from the unsaved folks with ours. It's not going on uh, CNN one day, Fox News the next, and think that you got it all right, and you got your politics all right, and you got religion all right, because and, and, uh, you say, well, which, which one do you listen to? Well, I rarely listen to any of them because I never know what's fake and what isn't. But if you get your worldview view. From the media, whether it's Fox News, which is supposedly the closest thing to truth, and I use supposedly with quotation marks, or Newsmax, or any of the other conservative outlets that many of us will on occasion look at, or whether you go to what will be considered more liberal outlets, CNN, MSNBC, and all the rest of those, if that's where your worldview is coming from, you're going to have a problem. It's not going to be biblical. Even on Fox News, which most of you uh, tend to go to, that's not a biblical worldview, folks. You say, well, I heard them talk about God once. It's not a biblical worldview. It's secular. It's, most of them are unsaved individuals. Uh, they may get closer to the truth, but it doesn't mean their truth. No, where do you find truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the what? The truth. The truth. The life, no one comes to the Father except through me. So, if you don't want a bunch of fake news messing with your head every single day, if you don't want secularized children, there's only one place to get the truth, and where is it? (laughs) Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the dear fathers that uh, are here today, and the moms, and thanks for the young folks that are here and others And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have a true biblical worldview. Father, all we've got to do is look at the the simple statistics from this group we looked at this morning and realize that if this is what we call Christianity, we're in a heap of trouble. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us who know you, that know the Word of God, that are striving to do the right thing. Lord, help us to be an influence. The Apostle Paul said, listen, imitate me because I'm trying to do it the biblical way. Lord, might every single one of us say as we leave here today, help us to do the biblical way so that I can be a good example not only to my children, but to my family, to where I work, to where I go to school, everything I say and do, that I might be, if you will, a personification of a biblical Christian. Father, bless our time now. Help. Uh, pray that you be with all the families as they uh, some travel, as some have folks over to their home. Help us to be a good example there. Help us to guard our conversation. Help us to speak the truth in love. And all God's people said, Amen. Happy Father's Day. Get out of here.